Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday morning worship service hosted by the Boonville Church of Christ. Uh, we're so thankful this morning that you've decided to worship God with us. We are um, saddened with the fact we cannot be together, but because of the uptick of uh, the virus in our area and also in our congregation, uh, we were unable to, to meet together, but we're very thankful for the technology that we have that we're still able to worship God uh, this morning. A few announcements before we get started this morning. First of all, if you're visiting with us, we want you to know that you are our honored guest. Our desire is to know God, to know God's word, to love God, and to love others, and demonstrate that love through our, our daily walk. We ask that if you have any questions regarding what we teach, send us a request so that we can address your questions. You can get in touch with us with the address, uh, send mail to P.O. Box 28 here in Boonville or the email at the office at boonvillecoc.com. Uh, you are welcome to visit our website to give online by e-check or card or to find details on where to mail or to deliver your weekly contributions. We want the parents to know that we have Bible class resources on the website specific to your child's Bible class to continue your child's Bible class studies at home. This is updated weekly and includes archived materials. This week is the first quarter in our curriculum cycle. You can find that on our website at www.boonwillecoc.com slash class resources. At this time, uh, Brother Jordan Coates will come lead our singing. First song we'll sing this morning will be He Lives. Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he Rejoice, O oh Christian, lift up your voice and sing Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King The hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find None other is so loving, so good and kind he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. 
Ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. <clears throat> Next song will be What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer Have we trials and temptations is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Comfort with the Lord of Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in Take and shield thee, thou wilt find a solace there. <clears throat> Would you bow with me, please? Your loving and gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Father, for this morning that you've given us. This beautiful Sunday morning that you've allowed us to, to worship you, Father. We pray that everything we do and say this morning will be in accordance to your word, in accordance to your will, and for your glory and for your honor, Father. Lord, we pray uh, for this country, 
for the, for the world that we live in, Father, during this pandemic. We pray, Lord, that you would put your healing powers upon, upon this virus, Father. We pray a special prayer for this community and especially this congregation, Father, as we deal with this situation. We pray, Father, for health and for strength and for comfort, Lord. We pray that we may be able to gather together soon to worship you, Father. Lord, we pray for those who may be hurting from all different kinds of disease and from loss of loved one. We pray that you would comfort them the way that only you can. Lord, we also pray for those who may be hurting spiritually. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to say and do the things to reach out to those individuals to, to help them to know you. Or, Father, if they've fallen away, to bring them back to you, Father. Lord, we are so thankful for this congregation here at Boonville. We pray that you would be with the leaders, the elders, and the deacons who are making the decisions to lead this congregation. We pray that you would give them the wisdom to do the things that would help us to, to grow in number, Father, but especially in spirit. Lord, we are so thankful for Brother Ken and his wife Anita that they've chosen to, to work with us here at this congregation. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them with health and a long life of service to you, Father. Lord, we realize that, that we fall so short of what you deserve. We pray that you would please forgive us where we fail you. We thank you for all blessings, Father, but especially the blessings that we find in Christ. We pray all these things through your Son's name. Amen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest fame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. <clears throat> he let the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny, 
as the lonely hill of Golgotha, there to lay down his life for me. If that isn't love, the ocean is dry. There's no stars in the sky, and the sparrow can't fly. If that isn't love, then heaven's a myth. There's no feeling like this. If that isn't The thief hanging by his side He spoke with love and compassion Then he took him to is dry there's no stars in the sky and the sparrow can't fly if that isn't love then heaven There's no feeling like this If that isn't love Well, good morning. I would say it's great to see you, but I can't actually do that. <laughs> I am thrilled that we do have this avenue, that we can participate in a time of worship. And I want to remind us that as we worship, even though we're in our homes or some other location, you're watching it on your phone or maybe a smart TV or tablet, regardless of how you're participating in this, I hope that you're still of the mindset that you are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. This isn't just some fun exercise that we're doing in lieu of worship. This is our time of worship. And so I pray that we'll be able to, to focus our hearts, our minds, our very spirit 
on God to get some of the things out of our minds that might otherwise distract us to get out of the normalcy of being in our home and really to join our spirits together with other spirits of Christians as we seek to worship God. Now, there are a lot of you who right now are actually quarantined. I know our congregation has been hit pretty hard this past week, but we might kind of get the idea that the only kind of sickness going on today has to do with the coronavirus. But you know that's not true. And we got this note here today. This is from Pat Green. Many of you have been praying for her over the past weeks. And she writes this, Dear church family, thank you so much for all the concern and prayers shown to us since my diagnosis. I'm scheduled to begin treatments tomorrow. Please continue to keep me in your prayers as we go through this journey. In Christian love, Pat Green. Maybe it's become kind of a, I don't know, a a common thing to talk about a, a journey in life, but I appreciate what she had to say about her sickness. It's a journey. She's begun that journey, and the thing about it is that you have been taking that journey with her, been praying for her. Many of you have sent calls and just shown your, your love for her, and she appreciates that. But that journey is not over for her, and neither is it over for all of us. We're going to continue to go with you as long as that journey lasts. We hope it's a short one as we hope that's true for those who've been affected by other illnesses. But let's not forget that there are people suffering in in all kinds of ways. But as a family, we're in it together, aren't we? So let's pray for her as well for others who have been experiencing illness. And let's pray that God will bless us this morning as we study his word. Let's let's pray together. Our Father, we, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to be able to study together from your word. We thank you for the privilege that it is to be a part of these studies and this time of worship. Help us, Father, no matter where we are right now, to be able to worship with focus in spirit and in truth. Lord, we pray for Sister Green as she's going through her struggles with cancer, and we pray that she will win this battle We pray for others who are struggling with their health right now, even in the hospital. We pray for their success. Thank you for all those who've been through struggles, as she put through these journeys. And we thank you for their deliverance. Others have struggled to their end, and we thank you for their memory, for the kind of faith they demonstrated. Father, just bless us each step of the way as we're striving to do your will and as we're striving so diligently, Lord, to grow in our faith and to be an example to this world that, well, that needs direction. Help us to be a good source of that direction. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're going to be studying from 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence... Add your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things 
is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Second Peter is a, a short little book, but it is a book whose purpose is to stimulate our faith. And the way he does that is by emphasizing over and over and over again the importance of knowledge. But it isn't just the accumulation of knowledge, it is a particular kind of knowledge. In fact, it is a knowledge that according to verse 3 pertains to life and godliness. It is that kind of knowledge that will develop in us a sense of what's right and what's wrong. In fact, he says that as, as a result of that, that we can actually be partakers, get this, of the divine nature. Have you ever thought of yourself that way? You know, I, I have my faults and, and I have those things that I, I desire that, that would be a, a compliment to the person that I am right now. But he says, man, as a result of that knowledge that we can have in Jesus Christ, we actually can partake, take within ourselves the divine nature. And he says, as a result of taking that in, we're kind of issuing or putting aside the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then he says, in addition to that, you need to add these things to your life. Now, I am, I am so appreciative that the Holy Spirit saw fit to write these words to us. Because to me, it is one of the most inspiring messages that we could receive. When you and I obeyed the gospel and we became Christians, that was not the end of our walk. That was just the beginning. And in this beginning of, of the development of knowledge and the change of life that's taking place in us, there is a way in which, as we are growing, that we can add to that faith and become that complete person that God has called us to be. So this morning, I want us to think about the essentials of faith. I want us to understand those things that will help us to be more complete as a Christian in the walk that we're endeavoring in. And, and as Sister Green indicated, life is a kind of journey, whether it's filled with positive insights and positive things that happen to us or whether it's filled with the negative we're going to continue on, and the difference that will be made between us and everybody else who is in the world is that our walk is going to be a walk of faith, a walk with Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, understand that coordination is one of those things that is essential to growth in the Christian faith. Coordination. Notice that he says, but also for this very reason, for those things, the partaking of the divine nature, turning away from those corruptions that are in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, because that's true, because this knowledge is growing in Jesus Christ, he says that we've got to be giving all diligence to add to our faith. Add to faith. Faith, I mentioned a moment ago, was the beginning place. How did I get there? 
right? I want to make sure I've got that great foundation in place. And I think about passages like Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that are so clear. That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I have this foundation of faith, there was some place in my past life where I came in contact with the word of God. And that word of God transferred such knowledge as was sufficient to develop faith in Jesus Christ in me. But understand, please, that was a beginning place with regard to the steps to my salvation. Many teach today that faith is the end of it. I mean, you, you believe and you're saved, but that's not exactly what the scriptures teach. In fact, I would take you to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. The apostle Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by, by faith. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things there. He says that salvation is a result of God's power, the gospel. And a prerequisite to obeying that gospel is faith or belief. Now, listen to the text again. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Gospel, salvation for a particular group of people. Those who have met the prerequisite of faith or belief. In other words, let's put this together simply. In order to obey the gospel to have my salvation, I first have to believe. Belief isn't the salvation, but belief is what opens the door to obedience to the gospel that leads to my salvation. You say, now, Ken, if belief isn't the means of salvation in and of itself, then what, in fact, is the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 gives us, I guess, a kind of definition, at least of the basics of the gospel. Paul says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, and which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So very simply, if you were to ask me, Ken, what is the gospel? I would say to you, well, the gospel is made up of three basic precepts, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you may then say, well, you know what, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, so what does the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus have to do with my salvation? Why is it just faith salvation? And I guess I would then take you over to Romans chapter 6, it kind of puts that together. <clears throat> In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now stop there and notice some things with me. He said in 1 Corinthians 15 that the gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then over here in Romans chapter 6, he says that baptism 
is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you see something happening here? For instance, when Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he told them to baptize, make believers or disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, when Peter was asked by the crowd that was gathered there on the day of Pentecost, what is it that we should do? He says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you, to your children, those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. We are called, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14, by the gospel. What's the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. How do I obey that form of doctrine? Romans chapter 6, 17 and 18 through baptism. So you say, okay, Ken, I, I got it. I am, according to this text, giving all diligence to add to my faith, which was actually the, the platform upon which my salvation was based. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I obeyed the gospel. I'm saved. Oh, well, great. Way to start. Because this text says that that's an important place, but it's not the finish. Hold on. We were talking about coordination, Right? We're going to coordinate because coordination is essential to this growth in the faith. What does coordination mean? Well, we're thinking about the coordination of these elements. For instance, I'm going to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm going to obey the gospel. But he says, at that point, the point at which I've come out of that one, I've been resurrected to new life, now begins the real work in me, the change that's going to to cause me to soar all the way to heaven. How does that go? Well, he says, but also for this very reason, watch this. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. Giving all diligence, add. The word giving there literally means to, to hasten in, to, to bring alongside. It's very similar to the work that the Holy Spirit would do in being a comforter. To, to come alongside the apostles as they began their work of the distribution of the gospel to the whole world. He says giving or bring alongside with all diligence. And that word actually means to do it speedily, to be committed to a task in, in a very quick way. You, you're so, I guess the idea is you're so enamored with it. It's so important. You see it as so essential that you're going to move very quickly on this. You're not going to wait you're not going to procrastinate. So, pull this together now. We're going to bring in, uh, we're, going to, we're going to pull in alongside as quickly as we can an addition. Now, that word addition means to provide at your own expense. Now, here's the coordination, okay? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I obeyed the gospel. And now, as quickly as I can, I'm going to bring alongside some things at my own expense. In other words, I'm going to add to my face some, some attributes, some qualities, some characteristics that are absolutely necessary to my development. And let's just say this, my perfection or my maturation as a Christian. I'm going to soar all the way to heaven because I didn't just stop. When I came out of that watery grave of baptism, wait a minute, examine yourself here just for a moment, will you? 
Look, when you were baptized, you had your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. You came up out of that water. What happened then? Maybe you were filled with zeal, enthusiasm, and you're kind of like what this is leading up to. You, you couldn't wait to go and tell your friends and your family about Jesus and the difference that he's made in your life. And maybe those first few weeks, man, you just, when you walked, your feet only touched the ground every three or four steps. I mean, you, you were so excited about being a Christian. But then, I don't know, maybe something happened. Maybe you got discouraged by somebody. Uh, maybe some efforts that you put forth fell through. And uh, maybe, maybe that zeal that you had when you came up out of that water, that waned. And now, years have passed. M maybe the best you can do is, you know, make a few appearances, church services. Or maybe as this COVID has hit, you thought, oh boy, now I can just kind of relax a little bit. Listen, friend, that's not what this text has called us to do. Now we can easily, I get it, we can easily succumb to the pressures of life and live an unfulfilled Christian life, we would call it. But that isn't what the Lord is expecting of us. He is expecting for us to put some things in line, to coordinate our growth, to put it to the test. The challenge is before us. Now what we've got to do is to do a little bit of addition. Application is also something that is essential to our growth in the Christian faith. Application. Now he says, but also for this very reason, add to your faith. And he gives us a list of things we're going to add. Like, for instance, he says, add to your faith virtue. Now, virtue is moral excellence, just doing right. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your old man the former lust, which grow corrupt according to the deceitful works, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You are a new person. So you can't continue to live like the world lives. Hey, I get it. You did have a life like that maybe. But when you came out of that water resurrected to new life, you put off that old man. You've become a new person. So that means that I'm going to add to this new faith that, that I've, I've, I've taken on. I'm going to add virtue to that. I'm not going to be like the, the, the person I used to be. I'm certainly not going to be like the world that's around me. I'm going to add to my faith virtue. And to virtue, I'm going to add knowledge. I'm going to need to grow in my understanding. In fact, isn't that something we said already that Second Peter was very particular about? You've got to have a base of knowledge. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 says that strong food belongs to those who are of full age, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 
We can know the difference between what's right and wrong simply by our exercise of our minds, our delving into the Word of God, and by the experience that we have in living this life and implementing the Word of God. So I'm going to add to my faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control. First Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning of verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now, did you hear that? To know how to possess yourself. To have self-control. This world is filled with all kinds of vices and lures, temptations of the flesh. But the child of God is learning the application of that knowledge to control himself and his exposure to the world. So I'm going to add to my faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. I'm going to learn to stick to it. Now, the word perseverance is translated a lot of different ways in the scripture. Sometimes it's the idea of patience, just waiting and and doing what's necessary to get through a struggle. In the book of James, chapter 1, beginning verse 2, James says to count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect worth, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, did you see that? I've got to have this perseverance. I've got to have patience. But that's intermingled with my faith. And and one is dependent on the other. I can endure because of my faith. But my faith needs to have that strength to continue on. Isn't that beautiful? One working in league with the other. So I'm going to add to my faith virtue, virtue knowledge, not self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness. The word godliness literally means to be God-like. That is to pursue the things of God. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. You have to make a choice. In 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 and following, John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. God-likeness. Pursuing the things of God, not the things of the world. Pursuing God and not, as he said in Matthew 6, not, not mammon. And then to godliness, I'm going to add brotherly kindness. That has to do with our relationship with one another. And it isn't, it, isn't it interesting that as we're growing our faith and kind of getting our act together, that the natural extension of that is going to be our association with one another. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. That passage is packed with love and concern for the brethren. 
It is the idea that I'm not just interested in my own salvation, but I'm going to do everything to prefer you above myself. We are going to encourage and build one another up all the way to heaven. And then to brotherly love, we're going to add that, that crowning jewel of love itself. And since I already understand the importance of loving you as my brother or sister, I also need to understand that I have to love, I love my enemies. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 43. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I said, you love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do, not, do they not even do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. To love perfectly means that I will love in a mature way. I will love others, even my enemies, whether they love me back in return or not. You see, if I'm going to grow in my faith, I've got to learn to apply not just one or a few of these things, but all of these things working in concert with one another, even into that highest achievement of love itself. And then I'm going to have to be dedicated. Dedication is essential to growth. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Now I want to work that in reverse because that statement that he just made right there, it's kind of shocking, don't you think? I mean, even if I am a dilatory Christian, you know, all I do is just kind of sit on a pew, don't do anything else. You might would say, I, I, might, I might not be filled with works and I might not be busy about the work of the Lord, but I haven't forgotten him. Well, he didn't say you did forget him. But he said that if you are not doing these things, if you're not growing in your faith, it is as though you have forgotten because the fact is, if you remembered, if you still had that zeal and enthusiasm, if you still were overwhelmed with the sacrifice of Jesus, then at the very least, you would be busy about adding these things to your faith. Why would anybody, why would anybody get to the place where it is as though they have forgotten? Well, maybe it's a worst case scenario. Maybe it's just that we've walked away. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning verse 26, it says, For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. When anyone transgressed Moses' law, they died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose he'll be thought worthy? Who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant, by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God help us if we've begun this journey that we would, about all we'd ever do is just sit on a pew. God help us not to be that way. 
And it's because it would be as though we'd forgotten the sacrifice of Jesus. And then he goes this far. He says, you know what, if we've slipped up enough, we're kind of participating in things willfully, sinful things. And he says if we find ourselves participating not in godly things, but in sinful things, it is like we've just yanked Jesus right off of that cross and we've taken his brutalized body and we're just stomping all over it. Come on, Ken. You know, stop it with the stop it with the drama. I haven't I haven't taken Jesus off the cross. I'm not stomping on him. I love Jesus. Oh, okay. Hey, peace. You love Jesus? Then add to your faith. Because he said, not, not me. I didn't say this. Peter, by inspiration, says, if, if all I'm doing is just idling by, it's like I've forgotten him. And if I've forgotten him to the extent that I have slipped back into the world, then by extension, it's like I've just yanked his body down and I am disrespecting him to no end. You don't want that on you, do you? I don't either. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just that, you know, we were busy in the beginning. We've gotten tired. We're just, you know, we're not bearing fruit. Maybe we're working a little. We're just not bearing fruit. The book of Luke, chapter 13, beginning verse 6 says, a certain man had a fig tree in his vineyard, came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he to the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it waste the ground? And he answering said, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well. But if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Do I really need to say much about that? You, now I understand, originally this was about Israel and all the opportunities they were given, but this can apply to us too. You, child of God, you've been planted in a tremendous vineyard. You're right here in the body of Jesus Christ, the church, his bride. Are you flourishing? Are you bearing fruit for the Lord? It's important that we be dedicated to growth in our faith. If you've wandered away, come back. If you've been slipping, if you're just dilatory, not bearing fruit, then reassess your situation and get busy. And then I would say that expectation is essential to growth. He says, therefore, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I say to you, child of God, are you going to heaven? If I asked a group of people in this auditorium today, if, if there were a group of people, I said, how many of you know you're going to heaven? I'd probably have five or six hands go up. And I'm thinking in my head, why isn't it 100%? Why isn't it when I ask that question that everybody can say with absolute definiteness and knowledge in their own mind, yes, I am going to heaven. The reason that I know I'm going to heaven, Ken, is because I didn't stop when I came up out of that watery grave of baptism. My faith did not end there. I've been adding to my faith every single day of my life since then. And I know, according to a passage like this, 
that when I am adding these things, that I have an absolute assurance of going to heaven. Ken, did you say I can have an absolute assurance? (laughs) Yes, I did. This text says that. He says, be more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. In other words, if you're doing those things, are you a worldly person? Are you you dabbling in sinful things? The answer is no. Now, don't come off there and say, well, you know what, Ken? I, I am not a sinner at all. I don't ever commit sin. Well, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says you're, you're deceiving yourself in that regard. But here's the encouragement, and this is what we're getting at, is verse 7 of that text. That if we walk in the light, he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, literally continues cleansing us from all sin. And you know, if you do commit sin, then verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who is it that he's forgiving? The person who confesses it. Who is that person that is confessing and receiving forgiveness? The person who's doing his best to walk in the light. Who is that person that's walking in the light? The person who's adding to his faith. The expectation then is that I'm going to go to heaven. And that that sheds a different light on passages similar to John 10, 27 and following. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give to them eternal life and they shall never stumble. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father which gave them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. He's not saying you could never fall. He's saying that if you will walk in the light, if you'll walk with Jesus, if you'll obey his commands, if you'll be faithful until death, then there isn't anything outside, well, outside of you, that could take that assurance away. Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of the sword? As it is written, we're killed all day long. We're kind of sheep for the slaughter, yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now let me say this. There isn't anything that can do that to you. But you can do it to you. All that God has done for you, saving you from your sins, giving you an assurance of heaven someday, the only thing in this universe that can mess that up is you. I'll tell you something. Personally, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not even what I intend to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Can you say that too? When you began your walk with Jesus, has it been a steady climb? Have you been adding to your faith? Or have you slipped up some way? Listen, we all make mistakes. We all have regrets. But let's be certain that the commitment that we made on that day when the Lord washed our sins away 
has been a commitment to add to what grace was bestowed upon us and that we're continuing to add to that all the way to heaven. If you're a child of God, you can repent of that. Maybe you're not a child of God, but you're ready to become one, to take advantage of all these promises, to partake of the divine nature. What an amazing idea. What an amazing application will be yours. If you need to obey the gospel, please, please contact us. Let's make arrangements that you can confess that faith before men, be buried in water, have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus as we described earlier. You'll rise up in newness of life and you can begin your walk with the Lord. Let's have a prayer and then we're going to sing a song that we hope will be an encouragement to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege, this time that we can worship you. And in this aspect, worshiping you through the meditation upon your word. Father, I pray that we will grow to the extent that we can make our call and election sure. I pray, Father, that you will empower us when we are weak. Help us to fulfill that call to be people of extraordinary faith that no pandemic can touch. Thank you for the faith of others like Sister Green that just kind of paves the way for us, shows us how to live a life of faith. And help us, Lord, that when our struggles come, that we will hold on to you firmly and that we will never waver. We'll never go backwards. We'll never become dilatory. And that we will always, to one degree or another, bear fruit for you. We pray for those who might be ready to obey the gospel. Give them courage, Lord, to make that known. In Jesus' name, amen. song we'll sing before partaking of the Lord's Supper this morning will be the, the Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish thee, old rugged trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday Oh, rugged cross.
take the Lord's Supper. We'll say a prayer to bless, to bless the bread. You pray with me, please. Father, we are so humbled and thankful for this chance you've, gathered, you've given us this morning to, to worship you, Father. At this time, Father, we, as we look back to the cross, to the sacrifice that your precious Son made for us, we remember that body, Father, that hung on that, on that cross, separated from you, Father. We pray that we would remove the worldly thoughts from our mind and focus upon that sacrifice. In Christ's name, amen. I ask that you would bow with me as we continue the remembrance. Father, we are eternally grateful for your willingness to send your Son, Father, and his willingness to, to die for us. At this time, Father, as we remember the blood that he shed, we pray that we would remember all the things that he's done for us, Father, that he didn't have to, but he was willing to die for us. As we partake of this cup, Father, that represents that blood, we pray that we do so in a way that we'll be well pleasing your side, Father. In Christ's name. Amen.
Again, we are so thankful that you've chosen to join us this morning as we worship God. We pray that everything we've done this morning will help us to, to be better equipped to serve him, to help our faith grow and to equip us with the things that we need to go through our journey. And we pray that our journey will be one that serves him and serves others. If we can assist you in any way, we do want to remind you, please call one of the elders or deacons to let us know of your needs. Or send us a message through Facebook or email or email our office. Whatever your needs may be, please let us know. We are here to help you in any way that we possibly can. A few uh, announcements this morning, then we'll close with prayer. Uh, Brother Ken Forrest will be starting a new study on Wednesdays. Uh, you don't have to put up with me and Guy anymore, so we're thankful for that. Uh, our midweek Bible study will be live streamed on YouTube and Facebook on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. I do want you to know those receiving the lesson via our phone streaming service will be called at 7 p.m. on Thursdays. You will not receive the call on Wednesdays. You will receive that call on Thursday at 7 p.m. Please like, subscribe, and, and share our page and videos on YouTube and Facebook. Audio of the lessons, just a reminder, you can call 662-554-4200 and press 1 to receive a call each time we stream our service. Again, we want to welcome uh, Sister Anita and Brother Ken to our, to our family here at Boonville. We are so very blessed to have you. We're so thankful to have you. We realize that it was absolutely God's doing bringing you and your wife to us, and we're so very, very thankful to have you. A large number of our spiritual family are sick. Uh, we do ask you to please remember them in your prayers, uh, those dealing with the, the virus and those dealing with different diseases. There's, like Brother Ken said, there's, we cannot forget those who are dealing with other diseases and sicknesses. And it's not just the virus. Uh, the Lord's Supper emblems are available for pickup in the annex until 6 p.m. during the week. That is all of our announcements. If you would, please bow with me and I will close in prayer. Father, we are so very thankful, Lord, for all the things that you've blessed us with, for your precious Son, Father, for the ability to worship you and praise you, Father. We pray that everything that we've done this morning will, is pleasing your sight, Father. We're thankful for Brother Ken and the message he's given us. We pray that we may grow in faith. We pray, Lord, that as we, as we go through our walks, we'll realize that the journey only begins at baptism, and we will grow each and every day of our lives, Father. We pray again for those who are hurting, those who are dealing with sicknesses or loss of loved ones, Father. We pray that you would bless them and comfort them in a way that only you can. Lord, we pray that you'll go with us the rest of this day and the rest of this week, Father. We pray that we may live our lives for you. We love you, Father. We are so very thankful for you and your precious Son. It's through his name we do humbly pray. Amen.